Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Thursday, September 16th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 426 featuring the Athletics' Jared Weiss is powered by BetOnline.ag and Legends Apparel. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code NFL100 for a 100% sign-up bonus. And go to Legends.com. Use the promo code BEAT20, that's BEAT20, to get 20% off your whole order. All right, folks, let's get into it. Another nice new edition of Celtics Beat. Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, you're used to us, and a good friend of the program we haven't had back in a little while. Let's have him, Jared Weiss from The Athletic, a, an international man of mystery, I think. I, I say that based only on his Instagram feed, which uh, I'll, I'll be honest, as a guy who he covers the NBA, and so I'm used to when he posts about the NBA, but the Instagram channel, Jared, it's way different. It's I I I look at the stories. I don't know what's going on. I feel very uncultured. It's all it's all photoshopped. It's all it's all CGI. <laughs> yeah. Not really there. What have you been up to since uh, you know since the season ended? What's your summer been like? I, I've been home for about three weeks since uh, June. Basically, I just. After the pandemic was over and we had, well, I shouldn't say. Wait, over. it's over? Pandemic, pandemic <laughs> was taking a little bit of a pause where we were allowed to go places again. Yeah. Uh, I was like, screw it. Season's over. I am going to leave the house for the first time in a year and a half. So I haven't really been home ever since and it's been pretty great. What have you been doing? Did LA for a month, which nice. was fun and exhausting. Uh, New York, Vegas for summer league and then Europe for about three weeks or so. Man, uh, what was, back, what was the highlight then of all that? Highlight of that, um, probably Positano on the Amalfi Coast. That's been like my dream to go yeah. there my entire life, and uh, it's actually better than you think it would be, which is seems impossible, but it really it really was incredible. Now, when you're going away for, I mean, multiple weeks at a time, or like you said, LA for a month. I mean, are are you going with people to these places? Or are you going to places where you know people? What's the what's the vacation approach for you? Yeah, I mean, I know people in all these places. Uh, Positano was actually just coincidentally my friends uh, showed up at the same time as I was there on their honeymoon, so that worked out pretty. As good. one does, sure. Yeah, of course, right. Um, but yeah, no, I know I was in Paris, or I have friends in Paris, uh, London. I have a bunch of friends in London, so you know, I, I tend to go places where I know people, so I have something to do. Because you know, traveling by yourself, it's fun and that you have the freedom, but it also gets very lonely at the same time if you trying to go do stuff and you don't know anybody there, you know. So I always try to go places where I know people. 
Well, I know you've been, uh, well, go, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, I'm a big fan of like, if you have friends in certain places that can show you the stuff, the non-touristy stuff. Yeah. And couches to crash on. Right. That's the best part of traveling. It's like when you can experience the real culture of whatever place you're traveling to, it's just way, it's a way better experience. And, and from my, you know, uh, expertise, quote unquote, but it's just, because there's so much stuff. There's like the tourist stuff that you have to do. There's like the underground stuff that only the locals know. And that's where the real stuff really is. So. I have friends, maybe they're just cheap, but they'll, they'll only go to places that they know people so they can just crash on the couch. Like the, that, no hotels. The time. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look, I mean, we're, we're all on a media salary, right? Other than Evan, who's out there, you know, selling the finest of fine clothing. Yeah. I mean, look, man. <laughs> Although look, uh, business is, is great right now because people haven't been able to do anything like travel for a year and a half, two years. So now everybody's buying stuff that they haven't bought in a year and a half. And Again, here's my plea for all of you. If you need clothing, like tailored clothing, please shop like three weeks at a time, four weeks at a time. Uh, it just makes our lives a lot easier. So that's just my little simple plea for everybody out there who needs to buy things. Like, just help us out. That's all it matters. I respect well, that. That wasn't even a plug for your personal store either. It was no, just like, it's, it's the, just whole the whole industry to the business. Whole industry. Like, it, it, you know, I, I have. Uh, friends all over the state in terms of working in med stores. And like, again, everybody, like some people tell you eight weeks where I'm like, and eh, that's maybe not so necessary, but like four weeks, three weeks is a good number, guys. Just to, just to, again, plead for anybody with a, a clothing business out there. Just, it just makes life a lot easier. Well, all right. So Jared, you, you, you've been traveling plenty. You've been out of, out of touch for a couple months. Let's catch you up. Uh, Danny Ainge retired. Okay. No. Uh, I know. I know. Become, I know. Got a lot coach, of people. I assume, right? oh, wait, hold on to your seatbelt here. Yeah, if, if that, if that one floors you, you're never going to guess who they replaced him with. Brad Stevens. Like yeah. No, no, not my, no, I know. It makes you want to throw things, doesn't it? <laughs> no, no, Mike Saren. He's still there though. I mean, for anyone thought there'd be like a tiff and he'd leave and go be the GM. No, he's, he's working under Brad. Uh, there have been many moves since. Uh, let's see. Al Horford's back. Kemba Walker's back. Uh, Maybe he signed Fournier, uh, I'm sure. Or, 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 or pardon me, and his Cantor's back. I think I said Kemba Walker. He's gone. Uh, no, Ev, no, no. Evan Fournier. He actually got a bigger. See, he performed well at the Olympics, so he he was able to get some big money from the Knicks. Which, uh, you know, connecting a few dots, Kemba went there too. So the whole like I'm going to New York thing. He finally did it. No Oklahoma City. He was able to bypass that. What do you get Kemba? bought out? Obviously, the Knicks traded for his full salary. I mean, that, naturally, yeah. I mean, because that's that's how organizations like that run. They say if if we can pay this guy the full freight, we're going to do it. No, he uh, he got uh, what eight million, eight million over over uh, what per year? I think it was, if I remember right, Evan. Is that correct? Somewhere Which I think we yeah. yeah we we'd all like to have uh, you know Kemba Walker at eight million bucks. But no, I, I know you're aware of obviously what's gone on this off season. And, and we've talked a little bit about it in the past and just how, how, how crazy it is. So, uh, the, the latest deal, obviously that again, you know, jokes aside, I know you're aware of, but it happened, uh, as we were recording a week ago with Chris Forsberg. And that was the, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, uh, arrival and Chris Dunn is gone. Carson Edwards is gone. And so, I, I think one of the biggest things Celtics fans are wondering, uh, you know, it was always a question with Danny Ainge at the helm and now seemingly with Brad as well with the way this offseason has gone. Training camp's not far away. I mean, it's rapidly approaching. Preseason games are not far away. Jared, is this the roster or are there more changes potentially to come before we get to the season? 
Uh, probably just about the roster. It's actually funny. I actually did not know about the Wancho trade until like two days ago because I completely <laughs> unplugged. <laughs> like, That's good, I turned though. off everything while I was on vacation. Um, but so the, I mean, well, I don't think Wancho is going to get moved again. He's just making too much money. He's already been traded twice in the last couple of weeks, right? So the, the really, I think the inflection point for the roster is going to come at that 15th spot, which is, do they end up cutting Jabari Parker? Do they end up dumping Bruno Fernandez and picking up somebody else who gets cut loose from another roster and training camp that they like? Otherwise, I just can't imagine any more changes unless there is like a Ben Simmons trade or a John Wall trade or something like that where they can jump in as a third team and they can pick up some sort of piece of that deal as a facilitator. This is kind of a dumb question, but I, but, it, but it's a perfect fan question because I saw some of this on social media and I, I look as a fan, I experienced some of it as well. Not to say the moves were bad. I think generally Brad has made all good moves since he took over, but is there any part of you just as a spectator of the sport that is a little disappointing that you won't see either a, a Moses Brown or a Chris Dunn in a Boston uniform just because you were you're kind of excited about but you know the potential of of how they might have been used. Not really. I, I mean, when they <laughs> okay, traded, good. When they traded for both those guys, I thought they were probably going to get moved again. I mean, I yeah. was hearing right away that both of them were probably going to get rerouted at some point. And I mean, Chris Dunn, I, I'm like I'm a defense guy, so I love watching Chris Dunn play defense and. Even last year when he came back and was still moving as like a shell of himself, he was still really fun to watch defend. He just, he drapes guys. He's so aggressive. It's really fun to watch, but I just, they got too many guards like Romeo Langford and mm. Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard, who they need to give those minutes to, who, you know, are just going to be a more effective player. So I, I didn't really think Dunn was going to stick around. And if he did, he would be as like the 15th man. And then Moses Brown, like, I mean, that, that game he had against the Celtics was awesome. That game he had against the Clippers, who were like as close to point shaving as we've seen in an NBA game in that final <laughs> game of the year last year. Like they were, they looked like they were trying to deliberately lose that game. And he went off and that was fun. But like you, you watch some of the tape of him and he's just all over the place and he's a fun player. And I think he'll stick around in the league for a little bit, but like he's, he's a much bigger project than I think they have patience for right now. And that was clearly. Uh, answered for when they signed Endis Cancer, who is mm -hmm. like at the opposite end of his career development path. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this team is pretty much finalized at this point. And, you know, looking at all the roster moves and all the things that have mo moved out, moved in, et cetera, et cetera, I, the way this team looks like on paper, it looks like a team that has a little more veteran, you know, leadership top to bottom. You know, they have, they don't have a lot of those guys at the end of the bench that you're hoping uh you know catch fire some night with Carson Edwards or Tremont Waters or you know having Taco on the team like all those guys are pretty much shipped out um you know Grant Williams maybe being the only um you know truly somewhat developmental player there I mean Romeo obviously is another guy but he's got to stay healthy but his team looks to me Jared slightly more professional you know what I mean like a lot of the big gripes from people like oh you know in the Part of my favorite discourse is like, oh, yeah, if we had so-and-so at the end of the bench instead of Carson Edwards, like, well, yeah, that guy's probably not going to get a ton of playing time. But if he does, it's good to have a guy that's been there, done that, knows his role, isn't trying to stat hunt. It was just trying to help his team out a little bit more. Do you think this team has improved, you know, somewhat significantly, somewhere in between, hasn't improved at all between the end of last season and the beginning of training camp here? I he wants relative. to know whether to bet the over or the under. That's what it is. Oh, over. Life's, don't, life's too short to bet the under, Adam. Let's just get that for, for one thing. What, what's <laughs> their over-under right now? 
Was it I think 40, No. What'd you say? The wins. Wasn't it like 53 and a half or something? No, it's like, like 46. That? Stop that. I'm going to look it up. I'm going so, to bet on three and a half. I make them like the three seed. That's yeah, it's like 50 wins. No way. Yeah. I wouldn't even I, 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 I would then bet the under. 45. I would go Listen, under for that. I'll let Jared answer your question while I look this up. I could have sworn it was higher than that. Yeah, I think I'm... <sighs> I think I would take the over on 46 wins if that's where it is. I found the over. Okay. What is it? it? I'm looking. Hang on. Oh, Oh, is it pop? I thought you said you found the over. No, no, no. I'm so, I said I would pound the over if it was 46 sure. wins. So, I mean, they, they're they better than they were where they left off last year. I mean, that's I think that's pretty clear. Fournier. It I is think 46. Fournier is a, yeah, 46. Is 46. Okay. So, Over. like, Fournier, I think, is a fine signing for New York. I, I I think the Celtics are probably right to not pay him that much. But he, like, he did not play well in Boston last year. He was – his de- defense was a mess. He was playing in COVID fog, it seemed like, the entire time. He can be a lot better this year than he was from what the Celtics got from him. But, honestly, I don't know how much dramatically better his defense would have gotten. And his defense was a huge problem. And Kemba Walker's defense – was really bad last year too. He wasn't able to do the stuff that I thought made him and actually a solid defender for his role when he first got to Boston. And so switching that out with guys like Josh Richardson with uh, Dennis Schroeder can definitely be a really good defender when he wants to, for sure. Um, uh, not in his canter, but uh, Al Horford, <laughs> you know, it's like they, they got way more balanced and this team was just very out of balance last year and obviously relied on their two stars to carry them way too much. And that's why the team was so erratic they, they just seem like they're a team that has more two-way guys in the rotation, which is obvious because they brought in a bunch of solid two-way vets. And they have guys that just know what to do with the ball when it gets to them. I mean, they just had so many lineups out there last year where when the ball would swing to a guy, guy wasn't he wasn't comfortable shooting it, didn't really know how to put it on the floor and keep the play going. And they're going to solve a lot of those problems by just having smarter vets who know what they're doing. And so that should make a pretty big difference for them. It's just that like their talent ceiling still seems low compared to obviously like the top three teams in the East. Miami seems like they've definitely gotten better. Uh, Atlanta, I assume is not going to be an Eastern conference finals team again, but they're probably still going to be pretty good considering how young their guys are and how injured they were last year. So there's still a lot of teams for them to try to climb past. And that's why getting that many more that wins than 46 seems pretty unlikely unless like time Lord is all of a sudden a offensive creator, which obviously add a new dimension to them. So where do you rank them in the East right now? I know that, you know, it's, it's a popular thing, obviously for pundits, especially with the season right around the corner. We were talking last week or the week before about Bobby Marks. He has them top four in whatever the order, but top four in the East. Evan was mentioned, uh, mentioning, I, I think Zach Lowe, if forgive me, Zach, if, I know you're out there listening. If I say this incorrectly, I think Zach has him sixth in the East, the Celtics. Where, where do you put them right now? Yeah, they're in that, that mid tier mix with, uh, Miami is probably at the top of that list. And then I think Atlanta is probably pretty close to that. And then New York and you know, maybe Charlotte actually does make another step forward this year and they get in there. So I think they're probably somewhere in that mix kind of right between where Miami and Atlanta probably are and where Charlotte and New York are. I mentioned bet online. Let's talk more about them for a moment. It is that time of year again where attention is turning to football, folks, college football, NFL, whatever you're into. Uh, Obviously, I'm a little partial to the pros, but you can uh, go and 
Bet on what's going on on the gridiron. As always, bet online, your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, contests, including online's biggest uh, half million dollar NFL mega contest, the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest as well. Open now at bet online. The Patriots, for instance, this weekend coming off that narrow loss to the Dolphins, six point favorites on the road at the Jets in the Meadowlands. Uh, I think that is a, uh, that's a sure thing, baby. That's how I'm looking at it. Evan here went three and one last week. He, uh, you know, putting a little cache on the line. What stands out to you, my friend? Well, you can start with that minus six. I think the Jets are terrible. <laughs> so, and they've lost their best offensive lineman. Mackay Becton's gone. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure if it's the entire year. I know it's for quite a bit. Will be for this game. Uh, New England looks really good. Their defense is going to be better um, than I think Carolina's against the Jets. I think Mac Jones is tremendous. They'll take care of the football a little better this time. Um, the Jets is that you know on the road in New Jersey is not a place that's going to scare the Pats. I love that minus six for New England. I guess maybe a backdoor cover is possible, but uh, you know I'm I'm still digging that. Um, there's been some shift on Bears Cincinnati in Chicago. Opened up at minus three for Chicago. Now down to minus one. Um, all Joe Burrow does is cover, folks, and he's getting a point right now. Uh, something to think about later on. Um, love the Rams minus three and a half in Indianapolis. I think the Colts are bad. I'm not a big Carson Wentz guy. Uh, Denver also tough one because they're going west to east again, but that's how bad the Jags are, folks. Minus six for Denver. Now, these are just ones I'm throwing out there as of right now. Follow my Twitter account later on Sunday morning. I'll tweet out my favorites. Uh, it's at Evan Valenti again, three and one last week. Good start. We're only going to go downhill from here. Uh, and I'll throw also out there Kansas City minus three and a half opened up, I think around four or five. Um, it has gone down a little bit because Baltimore keeps getting hurt for some reason. All their guys are like out for the year already. They lost another guy today. I forgot even who it was. Got on the defensive side of the ball. So some of my favorites I'm looking at now, I'll have a final tally for you Sunday morning and at Evan Valenti for more of that. Yeah, all that stuff was good until you said only downhill from here. Tell you, get him in while he's hot, folks. Get in support. Or, or fade me the rest of the way, either way. There you go. Uh, head to the website. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of the opening day uh, promos that are all around, too. Uh, obviously, whatever is left of those, we know that one is off the books. But any other week-to-week promos, pay attention to them. And uh, remember, you can uh, new customers get that promo code NFL 100 for that sign up bonus. All right. Well, while we're talking about money, Jared, we may as well talk about a guy who's been talking a lot about money, at least through social media and making jokes and having fun. And that is Dennis Schroeder. We've talked about him on the show quite a bit in the past and, and just wondering, uh, really, how is his personality going to jive with this team, especially being really the one guy who's got a big contract question who's, you know, looking for kind of a, a redemptive season in a way, you know, a, a prove it deal, short term money, just around six million dollars after turning down north of 20 mil per over four from the Lakers. Uh, you know, he's making jokes on his Instagram about fumbling the bag. He's inviting other people. Get your memes in now before we get back to business. He's certainly, uh, you know, really. I don't know, ingratiating himself in with uh, the Celtics fans, Celtics culture. He's letting people vote on what number he's going to wear this season. How do you think the fit's going to be for this guy? I mean, he was already on a contending team looking to earn the bag last year. We saw how that went. So I assume it's going to be relatively similar this year. Maybe he's learned some lessons 
and he's going to try to enhance his just his reputation around the league. I mean, I talked to some Lakers people and they they thought that the whole idea of him being an issue within the locker room was overblown and that he seemed to be pretty well liked and things like that. So I don't really know exactly what the real story is there, but I mean, the guy definitely is going to make plays. That's for sure. I think the question is going to be like, how much is him as a creator going to be like stat padding and trying to make flashy plays as much as like him trying to be a responsible part of the offense. I think what's good for him in this situation is that I don't know how much it matters. Like the team was just so desperate last year to have anyone that could just really do anything aside from their core creators. And he's probably going to have a decent amount of latitude just to just kind of go out there when probably both Brown and Tatum are on the bench and just kind of like do his thing and try to just run around and create shots. And I think he's going to probably relish that. Obviously health and, and COVID's entirely unpredictable, but injuries, that sort of thing. Again, you can't predict those, all of that stuff, removing that from the equation, if possible, because things are going to pop up. They always do. Hopefully nothing too serious, but you never know, uh, especially looking at what happened with this team last year, where they were more uh, afflicted and affected by COVID than any other team and, and man games lost and all of that. But do you think in, in terms of, we know how Brad coached. We're going to find out how Ime Udoka coaches and what his strategy is. Do you think that in his ideal world, he's going to have, you know, this, this is my starting five and Schroeder, whether he's part of it or he's coming off the bench, this, this is how we want our rotation to look. Or do you think he's going to be kind of a, a mix and match guy as he figures it out along the way? And, and this could be one of those years where, you know, half of Schroeder's games, he's starting the other half, he's coming off the bench. I don't think Schroeder's the guy that's going to have that flex uh, flexibility. I think it's going to be Josh Richardson and Al Horford for the most part. Just personnel matchup wise, it's like it's not they don't need another point guard out there. I think they want Smart to be the point guard as much as they can cuz well, I mean we'll see how it goes, but I think Smart functions better offensively as a point guard than he does as an off-ball guard where like you can play to his strengths more. You can allow him to try to get downhill and be a playmaker more and be less of a shooter off the catch attacker from the wing, which isn't really his originally natural position and doesn't fit his skill set as well. So I, I think if you put Truda out there, then that forces Smart to be the player that you don't really necessarily want him to be. And that's why having Richardson makes more sense, especially because of Richardson's defensive versatility. And then obviously we know Horford and what Horford does. So I, I just don't think Schroeder is going to get a lot of opportunity to start. And I'm pretty sure he signed knowing that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Is it difficult real quick? Because we talked about this a little bit with Forsberg last week. Is it then difficult for him to sort of, you know, make up for money lost, you know, to, to recoup so much of that contract that, that he had turned down with the Lakers. If, if he's really embracing a bench role and fitting in as best he can and being a good soldier, being good, good teammate, all, all those things that, that you would talk about. But if the numbers aren't there, if the, if the volume, the stats aren't there, is that going to hurt him or is he just got to, you know, sort of live and learn and move on? No, he needs to have like that Reggie Jackson moment. That's what this is for him, uh, who went through a similar phase of his career that was more injury than, than what Schroeder's going through. But Schroeder has already demonstrated his, his ability to fill with volume. Last year, his three point shooting really fell off the, like the volume of three point shooting and the efficiency fell off. He needs to demonstrate that he can come over screens and be a knockdown shooter, uh, but, or knockdown Schroeder, I should say, but he just really more than anything just needs to show that he can be an important part of winning culture and, get those rave reviews from the team 
that will make teams think that he can be that guy for their culture to really drive winning. I think that was that was what kind of killed him with the market. I also just think that the they they just misread the market and just didn't shake out his his direction anyway. But for him, it's he doesn't need to average nineteen points a game. He needs to have like a 50 40 90 shooting split kind of thing and like be a good defender and be talked about as an important part of the defensive culture for the team and all the things that made him such a tantalizing prospect a few years ago, because what's good for him is he is 28, I think at this point, right? Like he's entering his prime or like he's in that prime. So like he can have a good year and a team can still give him a good four-year deal. Like he's not going to recruit. He's probably not going to get an offer that was there for him last time. But he could certainly get. I could see him having a good year and getting somewhere between thirteen to fifteen million a year. You know, what if he get that Fournier money? That Fournier just got you know seventeen, eighteen, maybe. But you know, again, as you said, you got to move out of this point and you know, playing within a structure, playing well within such structure, being a good teammate. Uh, can help that because you know it's going to teams are going to have money at the end of the year. Uh, you know they're going to you know somebody's going to overpay somebody. It might be Dennis Schroeder. You never know. It just depends on you know your situation. I think it, what's what's going to be important for Schroeder is to understand the situation he's in. Um, to understand that if he's effective and can be a good distributor as well as an efficient scorer, you know that's going to bode well for his next contract. Because again, teams are always looking for. Um, you know, some sort of creation. And if it comes from that spot, that's fantastic. But shot creation in the NBA is huge. And if he can definitely provide that. And if he does it in an efficient way, in a, in a good environment, that'll go a long way. I guess my my concern with Schroeder, and again, his personality seems like it's fun. He's a skateboarder. Like, he's doing kickflips in some underground, like, skate park. I love that. I'm sure the front it's, office loves to see him do it. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> sure, they do. ACL tear, we're in a, oh, waiting to happen there. Um, but that's cool. I like, you know, he's he's making jokes about fumbling the bag, you know, similar to uh, Doug Gottlieb yesterday, poking holes at uh, himself and why he didn't. He wasn't asked to uh, be a part of the Notre Dame credit card uh, pro- platform program thing going on, which I thought was fantastic. Good job of leaning into that finally by Doug. Um, but the thing that I'm, I'm most worried about, Jared, is – Potentially stunting the development of uh, our favorite, our favorite, uh, uh, you know, I guess um, how do I put this? Uh, uh, new face of Celtics in terms of Peyton Pritchard because I, I just enjoyed the hell out of watching him last year, and you know his 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 summer is only up the ante for me with the ninety points, you know, pro am game where he he got in a plane left to go drop ninety in a pro am, then dropped fifty the next game, then came back and got locked down by. Uh, Davion really? Mitchell. He was uh, playing against the three of us, keep in mind, but yeah. nevertheless. It's, hey, look, 90 points, 90 points, man. You got to get shots up. Um, I, I love what I saw from him last year. Uh, he looked so ready for just the NBA speed, and, and he didn't seem like he was phased by a lot of things. And I just want to see the next step of that. And, you know, Schroeder comes in who's more polished and, and more of a veteran presence and, and can definitely steal some minutes from him. So I guess my concern is over like that. You know, the, the, the point guard distribution, how many minutes go to this guy, this guy, and this guy. I think, you know, out of the three, Peyton could be, I guess, an off-ball shooter, I think, better than the rest because his three-point shot is just much better than everybody else's. But I do want to see him as a as, as a point guard because he does have that skill as well. Are you concerned about distribu- uh, distributing the minutes between the three guys, Smart, Schroeder, and, and Pritchard, and Pritchard kind of being on the, the odd man out here? I just think that like all the young guys all got the, the literally all of them had a veteran stuck in front of them on the depth chart. So the, this is just the issue for all of them. 
And I guess that's fine because did anyone enjoy watching them uh, develop last year? I mean, I guess there were certainly plenty of times where it was fun watching Pritchard have those good nights, but the team was not fun to watch most of the time. And I think the team will be a lot more uh, aesthetically pleasing to watch this year. And you'll probably get little doses of the development for those guys along the way as it's kind of supposed to be. I think what's good for Pritchard is that he should complement Schroeder decently because he can defend up on the two most of the time. So he can handle that slightly bigger guy enough. And he is probably honestly best slated as an off ball guard for most of his career. I think he's best off as kind of like what his role will be. Will be that too, who can certainly run pick and roll for you, but he's not going to be the guy bringing the ball down the court every single time. Um, and I think it's just because he's just not that explosive off the dribble. And what's good for him is that it seems like his pull-up three-point game is coming along a little bit better. So if you're not going to destroy guys going over screens as a point guard, you at least need to threaten teams that you're going to pull up and shoot from 30 feet out. And that at least makes you viable. And it seems like that could be a part of his game. But of course, you know, keep in mind that while he's only in his second year, he also is like, what, almost 24 at this point. He's got to be close to that at this point. So he is a relatively old rookie. So you know, I, I would expect him to continue to improve into his fourth year, but I don't know if he's going to make a big leap after year four. So I don't see like a huge horizon for his development curve just because of his age. Like he'll be entering his prime almost at that point. So I, I think that the Shruta thing is good for him because it's an, it's a, I guess Shruta is not that different from Kemba Walker, but it's like, it's another veteran point guard who's really crafty getting to the hoop who can help him learn more skills to become that kind of guy. Cause Pritchard's major weakness is just getting to the rim. Like he can't really drive into an NBA defense. And when he does his main go-to move is to pick up his dribble and pivot his way to a, to like an off balance layup. And that doesn't work against like most good defenses in the NBA, but he's just crafty and tough enough to make it work. We'll get back to some of our questions and, of course, your Twitter questions in just a moment. But one more break. want to tell you about, uh, well, if, if you're listening, this won't help you. If you're watching, you can see that Evan and I, we've got the matching sweatshirts on a company, a great company we talked a little bit about last week as well. And it's uh, the Legends brand. This show powered in part by Legends brand, an athlete-owned apparel brand that is popping up seemingly everywhere these days, including many pro locker rooms and on some of today's top athletes. Legends is owned in part by athletes like Steve Nash, the uh, Nets head coach, Matt Barnes, Baker Mayfield, NFL legend and local hero, Willie McGinnis, even former Celtic, Marcus Moore, senior among many others. And Legends makes the high-performance apparel with style and comfort you will want to wear all day. And I'm not just saying that. This is so incredibly comfortable, this sweatshirt. Evan wears it every single day. I mean, literally every day, anytime that I see him on Zoom, anytime I see him posting pictures on social media, he is wearing that sweatshirt. I don't know if he's even washed it yet. He wears it all the time though and uh and i'm just snug like a glove man this is this is good it's a it's a go-to hoodie around here and i'm i'm especially again this is if you're watching i'm partial to the uh to the high neck to the i don't what's i mean you work in fashion what's the name for like the the raised neck as opposed to the traditional you know whatever the most instead of like having uh like a crew neck sweater yeah. or a hoodie who's you know maybe a, like a deeper v or you know whatever yeah. you want to go this has like a sort of a turtleneck sort of feature to it yeah and, and it's and it's just like it is wonderful to have like look as is adam explained i wear this every day i just got a puppy and i want to walk the puppy at two o'clock in the morning or two or take her out to two thirty, three o'clock in the morning and then at like six in the morning like folks it's cold out 
I need something little, with a little bit of girth to it, a little bit of, you know, uh, weight to it. And this is perfect. It goes on real quick. You know, take her downstairs, get her outside. I feel warm as hell. I got my slippers on. I got my joggers on. And I have this on. Life's good. I could be out there all day. Sometimes it takes her a while. You know, sometimes it doesn't. And whether, whether it does or doesn't, I'm warm and comfy as I possibly could be for someone waking up at three o'clock in the morning, trying to take his dog out to go to the bathroom. So, yeah, it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world to be, you know, dressed like this and have this easily accessible right on my nightstand. So I can just throw it on quick, grab her and go. It's great. Trust me. I, 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 at first I was like, it's, it's, it's a hoodie. What's different about it? There's a few things about it. Comfort, fit, style, all A pluses from this guy. It's not baggy. It's snug, nope. but in a good way. It's like it, fitting. it's fitting. It's, it's yeah. a fitting. And you don't, you don't come across the fitted sweatshirts often. I like it. I'm going to wear it around a lot. Evan doesn't even take it off when he gets back into bed after taking the dog out because Sometimes it's like, I don't. That's real. Like, it's like wearing pajamas. I'm telling you, except stylish. Visit, le- visit legends.com today and see uh, why the athletes everywhere are swapping out their big box brands for legends apparel. Use our promo code that is beat, B E A T 20, beat 20. And that is, uh, the number 2020 B E A T 20 save 20% on your first order again that is legends.com promo code beat 20 offer ends October 10th all right you got a few more weeks to take advantage make sure that you do did we sell you on this Jared oh I already bought 10 pairs while you were doing the read <laughs> just while we were talking huh <laughs> good on you they're gonna you make room in the closet my friend uh, all right, let's get back to uh, – we'll, we'll do some Twitter questions in a moment, but we'll talk a little bit more, obviously, about this team. Something that uh, I know you and Evan were talking a little bit about, we've gotten into it just a, a little bit. We haven't really taken a deep dive, though, in previous shows, something that the players, coaches, executives themselves have been asked about as well at certain points in time during this offseason. That's Al Horford with his return, Rob Williams after getting his bag, and he is this team's starting center. He, he damn well better be. Can they co exist on the floor at the same time yeah i i think that anybody who was watching the double big celtics early in the year and they were thinking this is what i love about nba basketball congratulations you're going to see more of it i'm sure because uh it, what's funny is that horford and williams are kind of like what tyson thompson could be at their best it's probably a lot of similar offensive concepts and how they use them in different spots of the floor, how they can do like double screens or stagger screens where one guy sets a screen and then he kind of pops out towards the elbow to be a shooter. Second guy sets a screen, then he rolls to the rim. Celtics have a play called 11 where they run that uh, action a lot at the top of the arc. The thing is, neither of those guys are that good at that stuff. Like Thompson is not that good of a roller. Tice is not that good of a shooter. Uh, he, he hits wide open shots mostly, but that's kind of it. He doesn't really put the ball on the floor that much unless he's rolling to the rim. Horford, at least at his best, is amazing at that stuff. Like he can be a real knockdown shooter who can attack when guys close out at him and be a really good playmaker. And Rob Williams, it looks like is turning into a really good guy rolling to the rim where you could lob it up to him you could feed it to him and he can take one dribble and try to dunk it on a guy like he can do a lot of really good stuff although he has a lot more room to grow but so i think they're probably gonna use those guys in similar ways to what they were doing with tyson thompson it's just gonna be a lot better yeah i'm 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 way into that i'm i'm again is it and you can stretch that even further too i mean al horford has and look i love daniel tyson and tice you know First stretches will have a, a great three-point shooting, you know, week, maybe two weeks. Um, but there are times when he shoots 21% and you want to, you know, gouge your eyes out. 
but Horford's a much bigger threat as a, as just a pick and pop shooter. Um, and he's, he's, you know, look, he's a little bit older, but still that shot is, is still pretty good. And then Rob, you know, as a role man, like just throw it up anywhere near the basket. And he'll find a way to come down with it. So I got, I, it, the, the spacing, I think could be a little bit better because you have to respect Al shot a little bit more than Tice's. I mean, Tice got so many open looks and, you know, again, it just depended on the week, you know, how, how much they were going in, you know, Horford's got a much more respectable jump shot. Again, Jared says, and I agree with it, the fact that he can put the ball on the deck a little bit, take a couple of dribbles and then maybe, you know, find a backdoor cutter or, or, you know, just, you know, take a pull up shot from there as the guy goes by. That's fantastic. I love the playmaking from both of them too. Um, You know, Rob, you know, for as many boneheaded plays as he might make in the backcourt as a frontcourt passer is quite tremendous. And, and I, and I'm really looking forward to those two guys specifically working together because I know Rob the first time around learned a lot from Al in terms of how to be professional, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think Al can help him even more in that, in that particular regard. And I think Rob as a defender, um, you know, does he make mistakes? Oh yeah. I mean, hmm. you'll, you'll go through the tape and you'll, you'll see, you know, some, you know, three good plays and maybe, you know, seven bad plays two years ago. Maybe that's been cut down to maybe five and five. Um, but Rob, you know, can definitely be a, a guy that can make up for some defensive uh, liabilities in certain spots. And, you know, Al isn't the most fleet of foot guy anymore, but having a, a really spry six foot eight, six nine, um, Rob Williams near him, you know, that, that's going to help a little bit. So I, I actually think along with Jared, the double big lineup will succeed more this year. And did last year. Um, again, the, the, the depth is the real question there at the, at the big man spot. I mean, Cantor, Hernan Gomez, I guess, and, and Grant, I mean, that just doesn't really do a lot for me, Jared, as, as, as a, but this team may be saying, hey, look, we're, we're going to play small most of the time anyway. That's where our, our strength is. You know, why do we need to go, you know, big crazy when we have the wings to compete? We have the guards to compete. You know, we'll have serviceable guys, but we won't rely on them as much. Am I, am I a little crazy here? No, you're not crazy at all. And I, th- I think the big question is how much are the Celtics wanting to go double big? Because that's like that, that is now that double big now is what going small was eight years ago, where it's like this thing <laughs> that like only a few teams in the league do. It's kind of like a unique wrinkle, but we have, we have been seeing more of it for sure in the last couple of years, especially where teams that are really good with offensive rebounding tend to uh, be like a nice little curveball against teams that play really small. So, it's although I'm not really sure how much Al Horford's rebounding is going to be a factor at this point. I think it's Al Horford's value as the four is more his playmaking. It's and the question I guess is really do they use him in the same way they used him before, where he's at the top of the arc and he's handing the ball off to guys cutting around the perimeter and things like that. And so I guess that's kind of like the big thing is we're going to see early on in the season is Al Horford going to be a floor spacer and operating out of the post or is the ball going to be in his hands at the top of the arc? And I think that will really determine what his role and what lineups he's going to be in. All right, let's get to a couple of Twitter questions uh, that uh, stood out here from uh, German, I guess, is the uh, the username anyway. Uh, German, Herman, maybe? Is it maybe Hispanic? Maybe. Uh, could be Hermann. I'm not sure. Uh, well, you know what? From Mexico, I think. Uh, let's see. Uh, what are your thoughts on a potential eight to nine man rotation for the beginning of the season? And have you heard uh, what Jalen's been working on this offseason? No, no on Jalen. Um, I mean, I know that they, they his thing has been trying to get better at passing when he hits the free throw line and you know making those reads. And he made some nice steps on that next uh, last year. 
Uh, but I, but because he's recovering from the wrist injury, I just don't know what level of on-court work he's doing. Uh, and I've been unplugged from that stuff for the last month or so. So I got to plug back in on that a little bit more. Um, as far as eight to nine man rotation, I mean, it's definitely a nine to 10 man rotation for the regular season. Yeah. That's going to be, so the six guys we talked about between Richardson and Horford and the starters, uh, Shruta for sure. Um, who am I forgetting? Um, I, I think at least, uh, Pritchard will probably almost always be in that rotation. And then one of Lankford and Neesmith. And then we're going to see Grant Williams and Ennis Cantor work their way into the rotation pretty often. Wancho, I don't think he's quite a regular, uh, honestly. It just, he's just like he's too, he, he can just be pushed around too easily. His shot's a little too erratic. There's this weird thing where he just like, he flicks his wrist completely to the side all the time on his shot when he's, when he's struggling with the shot. And it's like too obvious when he's not having a good shooting night. It's like, you can like see like there's a signal that he's not having a good shooting night. Um, and so I it just, as much as I really liked him as a prospect for years, I've been waiting for him to put it all together. I just haven't really seen it yet. And Minnesota did not go well for him last year. So I just don't really expect him to be cracking this rotation. Um, unless, cause like I think Grant Williams is probably going to bring more to the table than Wancho does. I know there, there, I've seen a lot of people talk about Grant, like he's barely going to make the roster as a candidate <laughs> to get cut. I definitely have not gotten that indication. And I think he's been pretty solid for his first couple seasons when he's been on the floor. Like, I think he's continuing to progress and we'll see. I mean, if he's still, if he's not like a good shooter and he's, he's able, if he can't put the ball on the floor without turning it over, then obviously that's going to be an issue and he's not going to crack the rotation if that's the case. And if he's still getting called for fouls constantly, that's also going to be an issue. But I think year three, the refs are probably going to start letting him play with more physicality. Cause I did feel like, a lot of the time the calls he was getting was that he would bump a guy with his chest while sliding with them into the lane, which you're supposed to be allowed to do. And they would still call him for a foul. So I feel like Grant is just going to benefit more than anybody from just getting a little bit more veteran treatment. So yeah, I mean, there's like nine guys that I feel like are, uh, and you know, it's a big question between Langford and Neesmith of which one each night gets in, but it's like, there should be nine guys that like seem like they're pretty clearly in their own, like they're, they're on that, dividing line of like clearly in the rotation and everybody else. It's like kind of a mix and match on a nightly basis. We'll do one more from social media in the interest of time. And that is uh, Jared. Can you elaborate on what you've heard from players regarding quote Brad's college offense? I've heard so little discussion about this, but I've maintained that Stevens has run the same offense since he got in the league and failed to adjust to suit to the Jays. Do you think that? No, I don't think that's it. I, I think that last year their offense was more that it was just bogged down into spread pick and roll and isolation. And that, that was the irony. It was so like, I, I think I, I had that in a report or two earlier this uh, off season about players complaining about that. Cause yeah, that was like having people coming up to me and telling me like the college offense, like that was a phrase that people were using. Um, and I definitely could see that maybe a little bit like a couple of years ago when they were doing kind of more like handoff and pitch action stuff on the, you know, on the corners where they're kind of just like running, I'm sorry, on the perimeter where they're kind of just like running past each other and handing the ball off and stuff like that. Like just a little bit of the college feel to it, even though that's a lot of what's called Chicago offense, which is like a set that a lot of NBA teams run. But I think it was the frustration that last year, it was just so much of kind of trying to clear out the court around Brown and Tatum and just most guys just didn't really know what they're supposed to do or they just weren't ready yet to do whatever it is that they're supposed to do. I think that's what frustrated everybody. And so that's 
going to change a lot this year because they have so many more veterans that do know what to do with the ball. So Jalen and Jason can trust their teammates more. Um, and then when they are trusting their teammates, the offense is not going to die down nearly as frequently as it did last year. All right. And uh, let's see. All good. We'll, we'll take us out on this one. Evan mentioned this earlier and we didn't have a chance to get to it earlier uh, before the show. Uh, I know you've unplugged, obviously, in recent weeks, so I don't know how connected you are to this. But Gary Washburn, uh, another good friend of ours on this program from the Boston Globe, wrote about how if Bradley Beal decides in this, you know, the constant speculation of what are they going to do if they can free up salary for a max guy and yada, yada, yada. It's not an imminent thing, but you're thinking ahead to next offseason. A lot of Celtics fans are. If Bradley Beal decides, you know what, as much as I love you, Jay, I'm going to stay in Washington. This is where I want to be. We're going to build something here. Zach Levine right now is entering the final year of his contract, and Gary feels that Levine could become this team's top target. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I mean, that's always been presumed to be the next guy on the list if Beal is a possibility. And I don't know if necessarily Beal is ahead of Levine on the list, but I, you know, I certainly presume he is. But Levine's this weird situation where he's entering the final year of his deal. I don't think he's going to turn down the Supermax from Chicago. Chicago's moves certainly indicate that they're going to do the Supermax uh, for him. And Chicago, I mean, they, they've loaded up with long-term deals mm-hmm. with veterans that like that DeMar DeRozan contract made it pretty clear they cannot let Zach Levine walk. And so if the Celtics aren't offering Jalen Brown, which I would not offer for Zach Levine, cause it's like, it's the same thing with Brad Beal. It's like, if you offer Jalen Brown for one of those two guys, you, know, you probably get a better offensive player, not a better de- defensive player at this point. But like, I don't think that makes you that much better than where you are right now. It's like the only way to make, so really, the only way that one of those trades makes sense is to send out, you know, Rob Williams and whoever else in every draft pick for the rest of eternity. And then you have a big three. Like that's the only way that you're going to compete with teams like Brooklyn and Milwaukee and, you know, and, and Charlotte and whoever else becomes the juggernaut in the NBA. And so the, the, I just don't see Chicago making that kind of trade. Like there, there's no point in trading away Zach Levine uh, unless it's like already at the point of, I'm not signing the Supermax, so you have to sign and trade me. But like, I don't see that trade happening during the season. Yeah, I wouldn't waste your breath on a clutch client going to Boston. Just going <laughs> to throw it out there. Wouldn't, wouldn't waste your time, guys. Well, we'll be patient. It, uh, it's coming, folks. Training camp, exhibition games, all of it, it's coming. The regular season, not too far away. Soon enough, we'll have real basketball to dissect, not just rumors and reports and our own silly speculation. Of course, I say that based on Evan and I, not our wonderful guests like Jared Weiss right here from The Athletic. And you can make sure, uh, as always, to follow his work. Be sure that you do so. A lot of great inside info there. Subscribe to The Athletic and uh, be able to read those articles because there is a lot of information out there you won't find anywhere else and a lot of in-depth writing that you certainly don't find uh, at, at so many places that are just out there aggregating at this point. It's one of the things that makes The Athletic special and this show is special. Bet online. Uh, as well as Legends Apparel, the two sponsors for this particular program. So thank you for being with us. And Jared, thank you for, uh, you know, making it a point to to stop on back on your post-vacation tour. Oh, I, this is the first place I had to go. I haven't even gone home yet. I'm still just at the <laughs> studio for Celtic Speed. I love it. I love, he's Look, the man's hosted this show in the past. He knows where the bread's buttered. That's it. Next, next time, no robe. You got to get the robe, though. Robe's got to Yeah. Okay, I'll bring the robe out of retirement. Only but. if Legends makes a robe. There we go. Tell me By that way, thing wouldn't be soft as hell. Okay, maybe I'm really old and just didn't realize it, but this is episode 426. 426. 
This is a weekly show, so does that mean it's been on for like 426 weeks? That that is correct. The show's so been that's around like almost a decade. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, old. wow. Obviously, I have not done all of them, and and you guys have not. But you know, it, it was as we know, it was it was Larry for a long time. It maybe even Nick hosted it way back at the beginning. I don't remember. I yeah, I I'm think trying I to remember like a dozen times back in the day, probably. I want to say I'm trying to remember. I don't know, Evan. Maybe you remember. I'm trying to remember when I took over. It was. I mean, it's been like two and a half years, probably. So whatever the number is on that, like, I don't know. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day in the car, just real quick. Uh, if my math is correct, our 500th episode should come out next year around the start of the season. Just a heads up on that. Because we're at 426 now. I think yeah. we'll be a little bit into the season if my if I'm doing quick math in my head. But 500 is coming next year, which should be like some sort of extravaganza at that point. Yeah, we'll just have Larry host it. We'll get out of the way. There we go. Bring it back. Reward the, you know, the, the OGs for the program. Be a real who's who. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Jared, pleasure, my friend. Thanks, guys. Celtics Beat returns next week. Until then.